Good afternoon, and welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm author and host Kevin Hopkins, and this is episode 99. Our next episode will be our 100th episode. So um, I started the podcast in April of 2022, and it's now December the 1st of 2022. So it's been, um, it's just been, what is that? seven months, eight months, eight months, I guess. Uh, well, it's been seven. This will be the eighth month. So <clears throat> seven months of, of podcasting. My, my original goal was to at least provide one episode a week. And uh, we're way ahead of that. We've, we're really on track to, to almost be two episodes per week uh, on the average. Now, I you know that I did a whole bunch uh, in a hurry through the summer and then got COVID, took a job as a teacher, took about three months off to try and catch up everything else in my life and and have now come back to the podcast. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we're still on track to have, you know, if someone started listening now at, at episode one, uh, they've got 99 episodes with this one to uh, to spend that'd be nearly two years um, if they listen to one a week now most people are not listening to one a week some of you are consuming each podcast within hours of when I post it and I'm really grateful for that but um, the intention my real intention was that a lot of podcasts are only released one episode per week and I wanted to at least be able to have that kind of material backed up so that if people started listening one per week, I wouldn't ever get too far behind with them. So <clears throat> that continues to kind of be the goal. Uh, and so with episode 99, we're in the book of Job. Uh, we are now in chapter 40. And here you're going to get Job's first, though very brief response to God's tirade. And then God's tirade is going to continue. So it starts this way in verse 1. <clears throat> the Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty now correct him? Let, him? let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but now have no answer. Twice but I will say no more. So Job understands he's in the doghouse and he's been wrong about just about everything that he said about God. And he's not going to darken the counsel of God with his words without wisdom anymore. He's done the smart thing and shut up. God's not done. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm again. Brace yourself like a man. It's the same thing he said to him the first time. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Wow, that's an important two questions. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? That's a question we need to ask our culture today. 
Do you have an arm like God's? Or can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Look at Behemoth, which I made along with you, and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength it has in its loins, what power in the muscles of its belly. Its tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze, its limbs like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its master can approach it with his sword. The hills bring it their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby, under the lotus plants it lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal it in their shadow, the poplars by the stream surround it. A raging river does not alarm it. It is secure, though the Jordan should surge against its mouth. Can anyone capture it by the eyes, or trap it and pierce its nose? Whoever made the divisions and chapters here does us quite a disservice because we get stopped in the middle of this second rant. But there's a lot here, so I'm going to be happy to just deal with chapter 40 today. It starts with God saying, Job, where are you? Aren't you going to answer me? Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And it's, it's a requirement that Job answer. It's not a request for him to answer. It's a command. Let him now who accuses God answer. So Job is compelled to answer, but he does so with quite a bit of wisdom. He starts with, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? You see, Job's answer betrays the fact that all this while he's asked God to grant him a hearing, to hear his side of the case. He didn't really expect that God would ever answer. I don't know what Job expected, but he didn't expect God to come and answer. He expected the great silent God to not hear his case because it wasn't obvious that he heard his case. The truth is God heard every word of it, right? God didn't miss Job's argument. And now that he appears and he starts to contend with Job over the exact things that Job accused God of not being or not being capable of doing or not caring enough to tend to, Job understands God heard every word. And now Job is embarrassed, convicted. You can use any kind of word here for what Job is feeling. He's feeling very small because the God that he thought existed but thought would never come answer has come near in this in this tempest, in this whirlwind. Some describe it as a cyclone. This God that he never thought would come has come. And Job is left to realize how very small and insignificant he is and that God is not happy with him. 
I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I am putting my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but now I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Job has taken the right the right approach here, the right position. Okay, God, I get it. I said things I shouldn't have. I'm not going to make it worse. I'm shutting up now. <laughs> and and that's the right thing for Job to do. God isn't stopping. He says, you brace yourself like a man. The exact formula that he used when he first showed up, he uses again. You brace yourself like a man. I'm going to ask some more questions and you are going to answer. Job doesn't have a choice. He's going to answer for the things that he's charged God with. And then God asks the most important questions in his rant against Job. Would you discredit my justice? Job, would you claim that my justice isn't just? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Wow, there's the question. There's the issue. This is what Job has had wrong about this process from the very beginning. He has constantly condemned God, that God doesn't hear his cry, that God doesn't know his side of the story, that God doesn't consider all that Job's been through, that God empowers the wicked to come and get Job, that God doesn't see when the neighbors are taunting him or when the youths are making fun of him. He says all of those things to justify himself. I haven't done anything wrong. Well, he hadn't done anything wrong until he started to justify himself. I've said this a thousand times in my lifetime. You know that as we live this life, there are things that we get wrong. There just are. Everybody fails. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody sins. At some time, do we have to? Nope, we choose to. We have all failed, unintentionally and intentionally. But there are also many more times when people come at us and accuse us of something we didn't do, accuse us of being someone we're not, accuse us of, of thinking something we don't think. And, and those accusations hurt because they're not true. And the need, the desire, the overwhelming motivation to talk back, to fight back, to justify ourselves, to, to explain why that's not what happened and that's not who we are and that's not what I said, that's not what I did. It's overpowering at times. Because if, if there's one thing our human nature hates, it's the wrongful accusation, the mischaracterization of our motives or our, our very actions. That hurts us deeply because it's not who we are. And we were the only person who was there that knows our mind and knows our intentions. And so when they're mischaracterized, man, the, the temptation to battle back and fight against that is overwhelming. Remember that the only sin that Job commits is that he, he fights to justify himself.
He's even willing to question God. The question is, would you condemn me to justify yourself? Yes, Job is willing to condemn God. He's willing to blame God, to testify against him, to pronounce that God is guilty of these things that Job has said that he does or doesn't do. Job is willing to compromise the character of God in order to try and justify himself. That's how strong that self-preservation is in us. And we would do the same things. Most of us, given the false accusation against us, believing that someone has mischaracterized us or that they've, God forbid, misrepresented us to God, that God doesn't understand. See, when we argue against God, that's what we're saying. God, you don't understand. Poor old God. If he was just a little smarter, he would understand what's wrong with me. He would understand all that I've had to go through. Poor old God. If he was just as smart as he used to be, he'd get these things. But something's happened to him. God's gotten old. God's gotten infirm. He must have because he just doesn't understand what I'm going through here. That's the whine of Job, right? And and when you and I read the story of Job, we're, we're supposed to understand that Job is us. We do the same things. People accuse us and we blame God, we blame them, we blame the weather, we blame the day, the time, the car, everything except taking responsibility for ourselves, especially when we feel like it's a false accusation. But a long time ago, my grandfather said, son, don't ever argue with a liar. Don't ever fight back against something that's not true. If someone says something false about you, let it go. If you fight back, if you fight against it, you give it credibility. An innocent man has no reason to push back against a lie. He'll only lose credibility and give that credibility to the lie. That's some of the finest instruction I ever received as a kid and as an adult. If someone says something about you that isn't true and other people begin to ask you, answer the questions honestly, but do not fight back. Give them honest answers and let them figure it out and then keep doing the next right thing. My wife says all the time, just do the next right thing. And she's right because the more consistent you are at doing the next right thing, the more history and time and experience tells people he might not have been guilty. She might not have been guilty of what was said about them two, three, five, ten, twenty years ago. Now it may take that long before the truth shows in the right things that you consistently do, but it will. It will. If it doesn't show up till heaven, you haven't lost anything. God knows the truth. Just go do the next right thing. Does that mean people won't continue to accuse you? It does not. The role of the Satan. The word Satan means accuser. The New Testament calls him the accuser of the brethren. The role of the devil was to accuse 
people like Job who hadn't done anything wrong to see how they would respond. That was his job. That's why God created the thing was that the Satan would accuse and ferret out who's done wrong and who's done right by their responses. See, he's the accuser of the brethren. And his accusation only affects your standing in the universe with God, with other people, if you respond in a way that lends credibility to the accusation. Do you understand that? Don't let it get to you. Even a false accusation will be proved by your right living. It'll take time. Accusations hurt, and sometimes they stick with us for a while. And people say, oh, but you did that. Don't you say, no, I did not. You should say, well, that's what people said. If you believe what you hear, I challenge you to watch me live. Watch me do the right thing. Watch me day in and day out and see if that's who I am. And I think you'll see I'm not that person. Job, do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice thunder like his? If so, then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. If you're, if you're entitled to those things, Job, put them on. Just clothe yourself in those things. Well, you can't. Those things are given to you by others and mostly by God. Glory and splendor, nobody's going to give you that. Honor and majesty, very few people can give you that. God gives those things freely. If you're as great as God, if your wisdom is greater than his, if you're more just than God himself, put on your glory and honor. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. See, these are the things that God does not do. God says, Job, you accused me of doing those things. Your, your perception of me is that I lord it over people, that I whack them when they're bad, that I send them down to the dust, right? That's what Job accused God of doing. God says, if you're as great as me, then you do those things. <clears throat> There's a very subtle implication here that God does not do those things. But Job accused him of doing those things. So if Job is so great, he should put on his glory and majesty and get busy doing those things he, think God, he thinks God does. It's an indictment of Job and his improper theology. It's not an invitation for Job to join God in these things because God doesn't act that way. He isn't the lightning God who fries people when they do bad things. He isn't the one who crushes the wicked. He doesn't crush anybody. They crush themselves. They crush each other. The world crushes them. Creation crushes them. But God doesn't crush people. Job has that wrong, and God is mocking him. You're so great. Put on your glory and majesty. Pull out your big wrath and set the world right by smashing the wicked. It's, it's mockery. 
then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. (laughs) He's mocking Job. God's not going to admit that. He knows it's not true. He knows Job can't possibly do any of the things he just lined out and that they're not the nature of God anyway. He's mocking Job. Look at Behemoth. Okay, so there's a lot of discussion about what is a behemoth. By the description, we can tell that behemoth is most likely hippopotamus. <laughs> and and probably the biggest, meanest, bruisingest thing that they knew in their culture. Look at behemoth, which I made along with you, and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength it has in its loins, what power in the muscles of its belly, its tail sways like a cedar. Well, that hippo tail is kind of small, but so is an elephant tail. They're very much alike. So I'm not sure that either of their tails sways like a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God. Yes, its maker can approach it with his sword. Yes, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. God can go near the hippo. You'd better not. They don't take kindly to people intruding in their space. The hills bring it their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants it lies. Now the lotus plants are in the water, and the hippo lies in the water. The elephant doesn't. So uh, there's some argument about whether this is hippo or elephant. I think it's got to be hippo. Under the lotus plants it lies hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal it in their shadow. The poplars by the stream surround it. A raging river does not alarm it. It's secure, though the Jordan should surge against its mouth. Can anyone capture it by the eyes or trap it and pierce its nose? No, you won't survive that attempt. So, here's here's one of these comparison things again. God says... Look at Behemoth. Why is God calling Job's attention to the hippopotamus? Seriously. That's the weirdest comparison he's drawn yet. And it's a little bit quizzical, isn't it? In the others, you can pretty quickly make the case for what God's trying to say to Job about the eagle or any of the the horse but the hippo look at behemoth who I created alongside you made him at the same time I made you Job he's your spirit animal (laughs) it's not what God is saying but I think it's funny I made him with you but he feeds on grass like an ox he eats plants hippos eat plants what strength he has for one who eats nothing but salad Look at the power in his loins, the power in the muscles of his belly, his tail always swaying like a cedar, the sinews of his thighs so close-knit and strong, bones like tubes of bronze, limbs like rods of iron. The toughest, strongest, biggest beast you can find. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. I could bring him down, Job. You can't. He'll kill you. But I could bring down the hippo. 
The hills bring it their produce and all the wild animals play nearby. They're not afraid of him. They play nearby. They don't get in his turf. He lays there under the lotus under the lotus plants among the reeds concealed the raging river doesn't alarm him he's secure though the Jordan should rage against his mouth can anyone capture him by the eyes or trap him and pierce his nose all the answers are no 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 behemoth behemoth is bigger than you Job You can't even scold Behemoth. You can't conquer the hippo, let alone take my job for me. You can't understand the hippo's life, let alone understand God's place and person. <laughs> Job, you're not the biggest deal around here. Oh, fat hippo's bigger than you. And, and, all the animals respect him. They play nearby, but they don't get in his turf. Some of them bring him their food. That's an interesting passage, isn't it? That all the wild animals, uh, the hills bring it their produce. It's, it's interesting. <clears throat> Creation provides the hippo its food. And the wild animals play nearby. He doesn't. He doesn't threaten the wild animals. He eats salad. He eats the produce of the ground. Nothing in creation is, is preyed on by the hippo. He's not a threat, Job, but he's bigger than you. He's stronger than you. He can defend himself much better than you can. But nothing's afraid of him because he doesn't prey on anybody else. The question then is, who does Job prey on? Why do these people come and indict Job when he thought they were his friends? Why does even the youth Elihu pop up and condemn Job? Well, when people condemn another person, it's typically because they feel threatened by that person, right? Or they feel that that person has wronged them in some way or isn't living right in some way. They find fault in that person. Job, look around you, your three best friends and the youth that used to admire you, are all here accusing you. Why is that, Job? Nobody accuses the hippo, and he's the biggest deal going out there. You, you thought you were a big deal, but all of your friends are here telling you you've done something wrong. Why don't they trust you, Job? It's one of those questions that it's not rhetorical, but it doesn't have an answer. Not that we can give. Only Job can answer this question. His friends started out trying to give him good counsel and very quickly turned into accusers. Probably because his attitude at accepting 
their advice wasn't very good. Because when they tried to help him, he responded in whining and blaming God. And then they backed up and kind of put their lightning rods up and said, Whoa, Job, if you're going to blame God, we're going to stand over here at a little bit of a distance. Right? He he draws Job's attention to the hippo to say there's the biggest, meanest, roughest, toughest thing out there. Because Job lives too far north to ever have seen a rhinoceros. <laughs> Hippo's the biggest thing he's probably ever seen. Job, there's behemoth. The hippo created him right alongside you. Nobody's afraid of him. He threatens nobody, but nobody's going to mess with him. You don't want to be messed with? Live like he does. Pray on nobody, but be strong within yourself. Pray on nobody. Have the strength within yourself. Understand yourself. Know your place. When it's time to rest among the lotuses, be concealed. You don't always have to stick out, Job. You don't always have to be right. You don't always have to be in charge. Man, as a young guy, that was a hard lesson for me to learn. It doesn't always have to be my way. Job... The hippo's greater than you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough reality that God lays on Job right here. You think, you think you're ready to clothe yourself with the God stuff? You can't even clothe yourself in the hippo stuff. <laughs> but it really is what God's saying to Job. It's what he's saying to you and me. Would you blame me? Would you condemn me in order to justify yourself? I look around in our world and there are all kinds of people accusing God of being all kinds of things to justify the things they want to do and be. I want to encourage you in in these next few days to look around yourself and see all the times that people accuse God, condemn God. There is no God. God's not like that. If God was really God, why would this happen? That's what they're doing. They're condemning God in order to justify the things they want to do. And then I want you to ask yourself, what have I done that's like that? When have I questioned God's authority, questioned God's loyalty, questioned God's nature, his character, and kind of blamed God? for not doing what God should do to justify me doing what I want to do. And and then let's ask God's forgiveness for those times. Let's not be Job and not run straight to him and say, Oh Lord, look at this mess I found in my life. Can we fix this without going through the Job experience, please? Will you forgive me? Will you heal me? Will you touch me? Will you help me? The Bible says the answers of the Lord are yes and amen. Yes, and let it be so. So we don't ever have to feel any compunction, any shyness, any 
hesitancy to just come to him and say, oh, Lord, I'm going through the closet of my heart and I found this mess here. These are my attitudes. These are my actions. These are the things that fall short of what I know you want in my life. Will you please take them out? Please remove them. Please forgive them. Please help me do something other than this. And the Bible says you don't have to worry that God will help you and that there will be no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Bring your junk and lay it at his feet and understand you won't get condemned. It's part of the system of becoming real and being honest with yourself. It's the only way to forgiveness and redemption. Let's avail ourselves of it. Now go and have a great day. <laughs>